welcome to theories of the third kind. Welcome to Theories of the Third Kind. My name is Aaron, and I'm one of your hosts. There are two other hosts that are joining me today, of course. Danielson. Yo, guys. And Anna. Good afternoon. So before we start today's episode, I just want to say, like always, we do not run any ads on this show or take any money from any corporations. So if you would like to help us out, then there's a few ways that you can do that. One of the ways is Patreon. For only $5 a month, which is just 16 cents a day, you can sign up to our Patreon and get an extra episode each week. These Patreon episodes are exclusive to members only. Today, we released a Patreon-exclusive episode, which is over the secret Nazi space program. Woo-hoo. Also, we have several more episodes already locked and loaded for your listening pleasure, such as Colts, Disney Darkness, Isaac Cappy, McMartin Satanic Preschool, Clinton Body Count, FEMA, and much more, which you get access to, all of it, for just 5 bucks a month. Another way to support the show is through merchandise. Just teleport on over to our website, theoriesofthethirdkind.com, and click on the shop button. Then you can see all the merch we have. Hats, t-shirts, all that good stuff. I just wanted to let you know that the money we get from Patreon and the merchandise, those all go to bettering the show. Also, I know things are tough right now, so if you can't afford a shirt or a Patreon membership, but you want to help us out, then you can just leave us a written review on iTunes. That helps us out a ton. If you don't want to leave one, though, then that is fine. We just want you guys, girls, aliens, reptilians, Bigfoot, Sasquatches, Chupacabras, ghosts, Illuminati members, space, underground lizard people, whoever or whatever you are, to enjoy the show. Also, one last thing. If any of you would like to reach out to us, then you can shoot us a message on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Or you can go to our website, theoriesofthethirdkind.com. You can click on the contact button, and there you will find our email addresses. Also, on our site, you can click the voicemail button and leave us a voicemail anonymously with your phone, and we will play it at the end of the show each week. So today's episode is Dyatlov Pass. How this episode will go today is that we will first cover what is the Dyatlov Pass incident, the hikers involved in it, the timeline of the events itself, what was found, the investigation, strange facts and findings, and then wrap it all up with theories. So with all that being said, let's get into today's episode. The Dyatlov Pass incident was a hiking expedition that started on January 23rd of 1959 that was supposed to last 14 days. The group consisted of Russian students and graduates, all who were experienced hikers. Eventually, all of them were found dead on the side of a snowy mountain. All of the students had died in horrific ways, had unexplained injuries, and some were even radioactive. To this day, their deaths still spark a lot of rumors and conspiracies. Now, before we discuss the deaths, rumors, and conspiracies surrounding all of this, let's first discuss the hikers. So we decided to go over each member in this group briefly to see what the group capabilities were. Now, all of the members were already experienced hikers and skiers, so this was nothing new to any of them. In this group, there were 10 individuals. First on the list is Igor Dyatlov. 
the commander or leader of this group. He was 23 years old and a fifth-year student at Euro Polytechnic Institute. He assembled a radio during his second year, which was used during hikes in 1956. He also designed a small stove that he used on this trip. So this next person that we're going into is Zenaida Kolmogorova. Zena was 22 years old and also a fifth-year student at UPI. She's been on six hiking expeditions of Category 2 status. And the next person that we have is Yuri Dorosenko. He was 21 years old and a fourth-year student of the radio engineering at the UPI like the rest of them. But he was mostly remembered for his courageous act of charging and intimidating a bear with only a geology hammer. Big balls on this guy. I would not do that. Yeah. I'd be shriveled up in a ball. Yeah, yeah. He also had a relationship with Xena, but that ended and they stayed friends. So this next person is Ludmili Dubanina. She was a 20-year-old woman and a four-year, uh, four-year student of engineering and economics at UPI. She had considerable mountaining experience, which showed when on one expedition, she was accidentally shot in the leg by a hunter who accompanied them. She pushed through the pain and traveled the long path back. She was a tough one. Yeah, if I got shot, I'd lay there until a helicopter Dude. came in and picked me up. Hell yeah. Okay. <laughs> I wouldn't. What a shitty hunter to shoot somebody. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying. I mean, <laughs> you bring a hunter with you on an expedition, and next thing you know, he shoots one of the hikers. Like, what the hell? He's not yeah. that great of a hunter, then. You're right. Yeah. So the next one is Alexander Kolyatov. He was 24 years old and a, a four-year student of nuclear physics at UPI as well. He moved to Moscow to work in the secret institute of the Ministry of Medium Machine Building. Later, he moved to the Research Institute of Inorganic Materials that was engaged in producing materials for the growing nuclear industry at the time. Then he moved back to go to UPI to continue learning about nuclear stuff. The next one is Yuri Krivoni Shinko. He was a 23-year-old male, and, and, uh, and he graduated from UPI in 1957 for construction in hydraulics. Before the expedition, he worked in Chabalsink 40, a secret nuclear facility. He experienced a disaster that became known as Krishtim Disaster. On September 29, 1957, the plutonium plant experienced a radioactive leak. He was one of many who was set to clean this up. The next one is Rustam Slobodin. He was 23 years old and a graduate from UPI as well in 1958 for engineering technology. He was the more athletic one of the group. And even though he was Russian, his parents were professors and was teaching in Asia during his birth. So he ended up with an Asian name, which I don't know if Rustam or Rustic that he likes to be called seems Asian, but we'll just go with it. Yeah. When I heard that little bit of information, I'm just like, where, where would you find that to be Asian? All right. The next one we have is Nikolai Thibault Bernol. He was 23 years old and also graduated from UPI in 1958 for civil engineering. He was the son of a French communist who was sent to a detention camp to later on, he was executed under the Stalinistic regime. Then after that, we have uh, Zemyan Zolotaryov. We have the oldest of the group, 38 years old. 
graduated from the Institute of Physical Education in Minsk in 1950. He was an instructor, Korvika, tour based during the incident. He was the most mysterious of the group. He asked, be, he asked to be called Sasha. No one really knew much about him, but he fought during the Great Patriotic War, which had a 3% survival rate, and he ended up gaining four military awards from it, which is pretty impressive. And then our 10th member, Yuri Yolden. Last but not least, 21 years old, Yuri was a fourth-year student of UPI for engineering. Yeah, so pretty much those are all the people involved in this hiking expedition. These were all the people that were involved in this hiking expedition, and almost all of them were students or had been students of UPI, and they all had hiking experience. So now that we know some information about these individuals, let's get into the timeline of what happened. So the entire goal of this 14-day expedition was to reach Otorten, which was a mountain. The team was made up of eight men and two women, students and graduates of the Ural Polytechnic, and was led by Igor Dyatlov. During this time of the season, was estimated as Category 3, which is the most difficult out of all the hiking categories. However, like we said earlier, all of the members were experienced in long uh, mountain expeditions, so it shouldn't have been that big of a deal for them. No, it shouldn't have. Nope. On January 25th, the group arrived by train to Ivdel, which was a city at the center of the northern province, northern province of Sherverdlovsky Oblast. The group then took a truck to Vizay. Now, something worth noting here. Vizay was the last inhabited settlement that they were at when they were doing their hike. Yeah. So then on January 27th, they left Vizay and started their hike towards Otorten Mountain. On January 28th, one of the students, Yuri Yolden, becomes ill, and he decided to go back to the nearest town. That was a lucky call by him. Whatever got him sick. Skyatic. That's a oh. sciatica. It was, really. So he had, like, some back issues. Yes. Oh, okay. So then on the next day, on January 29th, the hike continues. The group is following the valley and the river heading towards the Ortorton Mountain. They are traveling on frozen lakes using the old Mansi trails. Now, keep these Mansi trails in mind because we talk about the Mansi's, this group, later on during the theories. And we mention them a little bit during the whole thing of what happened i think i think you might have mentioned some of that in one of your theories daniel the mansies oh the local tribes yeah the local tribe yes yeah so then on january 31st after their fourth day of hiking the group sets up a camp by the ospia river now this is where they leave some of their supplies so on their way back they have it all set up for, you know, they have it all set up for them so they have it ready for on their, you know. And plus they don't have to carry a whole bunch of stuff with them up to the Otorton Mountain. So on February 1st, the group set out for a 2.5 mile trip. Now, the weather conditions were pretty horrible that day. So at around 4 p.m., they decided to set up camp on the slope of Colette Seckel. The group settled down for the night. Later in the evening is when the tragic events took place. Now, what happens next is a mystery, but this is what we do know. So it had been agreed upon beforehand that Dyatlov would send a telegram to their sports club as soon as the group returned to Vizay, 
which was the town that we talked about earlier. Now, this was expected to happen no later than February 12th, but the Atloff has told Yolden that he didn't ex- that he expected it to be longer. And so when February 12th had passed and no message had been received from Dyatlov, there was no immediate reaction. However, on February 20th, volunteer students, teachers, and army and police forces became involved. They started searching for the students. So yeah, so it, it goes from February 1st, and then there's a big gap that nobody hears from them. All the way until February, or nobody hears anything from them. And then February 20th is when they send out the search group. So that's where the mystery starts. And that's where we're about to get into of what was found during the search. And it gets pretty crazy. So let's hop into that. A lot crazy. So six days after they started their uh, search, the searchers found the abandoned and badly damaged tent on Colot Sickle where the students had last set up their camp on February 1st. One of the individuals who first came across the tent said, The tent was half torn down and half covered with snow. It was empty and all the group's belongings and shoes had been left behind. Investigators said that the tent had been cut open from the inside and that skiers had fled in socks or bare feet. A chain of eight or nine sets of footprints left by several people who were wearing socks, a single shoe, or barefoot could be found and led down towards the edge of nearby woods. On the opposite side of the pass, about 1.5 kilometers northeast, but after 500 meters, they were covered with snow. At the forest's edge, under a large old cedar, the search party found the remains of a fire along with the first two bodies, Yuri Krivanisenko and Yuri Durosenko. Both were shoeless and dressed only in their underwear. Hot. The large cedar tree near them, it had branches that, had broken, that were broken up to five meters high, suggesting that they had climbed up to look for something or look at something. Forensic tests later confirmed that traces of skin were found embedded in the bark, indicating that the pair had frantically attempted to climb the tree, snapping off branches until their hands were a mass of pulpy flesh. Ooh. Damn. Yeah. Oof. They were definitely trying to get out of something, get away from something. Yeah, both of those Yuris were trying to get up there. That's funny. Both their na- first names were Yuri. And the ending of their last names were Shenko. That is weird. And they ran off together. And had the same type of death, probably. On February 27th, between the cedar and, between the cedar tree and the tent, the searchers found Igor Dyatlov. And he was 300 meters from the cedar tree. Zaneda Komogorova. 630 meters from the cedar tree. Six days later, on March 5th, Rustam Slobodin was found 480 meters from the cedar tree. All three seemed to have died in poses suggesting that they were attempting to return to the tent. A medical examination found no injuries and it was concluded that they had died of hypothermia. However, Rustam had a small crack in his skull, but it was not thought to be a fatal wound. Now, by March 5th, 
four of the hikers were still missing. They didn't find their remains until two months later. On May 5th, under four meters of snow in the ravine 75 meters further into the woods from the cedar tree, the four remaining students were found. All four were better dressed than the others, and almost all of them were wearing the clothes of the other students who were found almost naked. Zolotaryov was wearing Dubinina's faux fur coat and hat, while Dubinina's foot was wrapped in a piece of Kravonyshenko's wool pants. An examination of the four bodies found in May changed the course of the whole investigation. Three of them had fatal injuries. The body of Thibaut Bernol had major skull damage. Both Dubinina and Zolotaryov had major chest fractures. According to Dr. Boris, the force required to cause such damage would have been extremely high. He compared it to the force of a car crash. The bodies had no external wounds as if they were crippled by a high level of pressure. Dubinina's was found to be missing her tongue and eyeballs. What? Eyeballs and tongue? Oh my god, I can't wait till we get to theories to talk about that. I got a theory about that. Oh snap, I'm ready to hear that one. Before the four students died, they had managed to dig out a den in the snow, lay it down with branches in an effort to keep themselves warm. Smart. But the things were about to get even more bizarre. Bodies were actually found a few feet from their improvised shelter in the deep part of the ravine. Some of the hikers' clothing, which is two sweaters and pants, were found to be radioactive. Also, some of the clothes taken from the bodies underneath the cedar tree were placed on the cedar branches, but apparently they were not used. I mean, sometimes I go on hikes and I just have to really wash my clothes afterwards because that radioactivity that you get from just going out, you know. Yeah. You got to watch out for that. The forest animals, man, they're all radioactive. You don't want them near you. You gotta watch out for that radioactive Bigfoot, dude. Yeah. Oh, and your mic, yeah. All right, so why don't we go back and recap real quick. On February 1st, the group ripped the tent open from the inside with a knife, and then they fled down the hill to that nearby forest. It was about 300 meters, and all of them were either barefoot or only wearing socks. All right, and then they lit a fire stayed there for about two hours. After that, three of them, Igor, Zina, and Rustam, tried to come back to the camp. They failed and collapsed at different places. Uh, One's at 300, one at 480, and one at 630 meters from the fire pit. Krivani Senko, Yuri Doroshenko, were waiting near the fire pit. And they had died from the cold around noon. The temperature of the area was estimated to be about negative 13 to negative 22 degrees. Jesus. I know. It's cold as hell. It's like as cold as your heart, Aaron. Pretty much. The one joke they had was uh, before they left uh, Vizay, when they were inside, they were just like, oh, your coffee is cold? Walk outside then. Your coffee will be hot then. That's how cold it was outside. It's like, damn. All right. And then we have the rest of the group that decided to take the clothes off the dead bodies. And then they put them on and then they went deeper into the woods. Okay. So three of the four of those guys had fatal injuries. A skull injury, a major chest fracture, and Dubanina was also missing her eyeballs and her tongue. These four students had died from an unknown compelling force, similar to someone being in a car crash. So that's a roundup of kind of the injuries, what's happened, recapping it all. 
And now we're going to kind of transition into the investigation of this event. Of course, an investigation happened into the deaths of the students. It found no signs of struggle and no sign that other people or an animal had been involved with this incident, with these incidences. The case was closed in May of 1959 without any definite conclusions as to what had made these students flee from their tents and how four fatally injured, how four were fatally injured in the ravine had died. This effectively exonerated the native Mansi people, which were a peaceful tribe that was located in the area, who some thought might have attacked the group for being on their land. Others speculated that it was a large animal or even a Yeti or a Bigfoot. Now, before we get into these theories and start theorizing, hypothesizing, all that good stuff, let's go over some strange facts and findings first. So. Dan, do you I had a question? So I think it was recently, I think it was actually this year, they closed out again the investigation on it. Whoever was like the one investigating closed out the thing saying that it was an avalanche that killed them all. Like legit, that was what they finalized. Well, how do you explain the radioactivity then? How do you explain the eyeballs and the tongue missing? That's that's what they're like upset about. They're just like this guy comes in and just says, "Oh, it was. A, we're just going to conclude it was an avalanche." There, well, there's two things that I mean that doesn't sit with me well with the avalanche theory is the radioactivity and the eyeballs and tongue missing. Maybe if it was just the tongue missing, but the eyeballs missing because I mean, how, what happened? How, how does the eyeballs go missing? And then the tongue, and then the radioactivity. Where the hell does that come from? So, it was 2019 and March 15th, prosecutor's office undergo expedition to the Atlaf Pass to test three theories, avalanche, snow slab, and hurricane. July 11th of 2020, Andrei Kirikov announces the conclusion of the new investigation. It was an avalanche. But then, August 10th of this year, Krasnov reprimanded Kirikov. The investigation was warned of incomplete official compliance. So, pretty much, he I guess he just tried to close it off just to get done with it, and then he got reprimanded for it. So I don't know if it's been reopened since that's only, what, been half a month ago? I mean, you give three options to go for, and none of them sound like any possible option for what actually happened. No. And why limit yourself to three? If you're actually investigating something, then you are looking into all options. And please explain to me, Mr. Andre, or whatever his name is, how do you lose eyes and tongue in an avalanche? Did, he, did she try to put her tongue out to catch the snow on it? And the force of the avalanche just ripped it out? Come on. Yeah. The only thing I could really think of for that, for the tongue thing, was that she had got really bad frostbite. Oh. And she bit down on her tongue, and she fucking bit it off, but... That, that's, that's for later. We're going to cut that out, though. Okay. All right. So let's move into strange facts and findings, and then we'll move into hypothesizing about what could have happened. All right, Dan, hit us with the first strange factor finding. All right. The first one, meaning of the name. So the goal of the hikers was to reach Otorton Mountain. Something odd that we found was the translation of the name of the mountain. There are indigenous people that live near the mountain in Russia. Their language is Mansi. When you translate Otorton Mountain to their language, it translates to, don't go there. 
it's a little odd, right? I'm really trying to think. Was it also called Death Mountain after that, too? I think I remember hearing that. The Mountain of the Dead. Is that the Otorton Mountain? Yeah. It is, they call it Don't Go There, uh, the, because the gates between them are considered sacred and dangerous since, since ancient times. Ooh. Okay. Why would you want to travel there anyways? Like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. The next, the second strange fact we have is the autopsy. The medical examiner recorded that some of the corpses had liver mortis on the front. Given that such marks always form on the side of a body that has been pressed against the ground, this indicated that someone had turned them over after death. This straight up contradicts what the investigation said, their conclusion in 1959, saying that there was no signs of struggle and no sign of other people or animal that had been involved. That right there confirms that animals or a person had to be involved. Yeah, and, uh, you know, to go with that, the tent was, you know, it was all mangled up, but they found that on the tent, that it was actually cut from the inside. From the inside, yeah. Run out, so, you know, something had to be going after him. Come on now. (laughs) Yeah, you have to be absolutely petrified to do any means necessary to get out of a tent. A tent has a zipper. And I know, have you ever been camping before? Oh yeah, me too. And you want to leave, you got to pee real, real bad in the morning, and you're like, where is that zipper? You grab it, you put it around, and guess what? It pulled the other zipper, and now you're stuck inside still. So, of course, I get their struggle. Just cut out of that bitch and just go through the hole like you're being rebirthed into the world. <laughs> like like uh, on Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, when he comes out of that yes. rhino. Yes. Look, everyone, yeah. the rhino's giving birth. All right, what's this last strange fact I'm finding we have? All right, and then the final strange fact we have is Dubonina's premonition. Supposedly before they got to Diatlas Pass, she was writing in her diary about how she was sad and didn't have a good feeling about things. In her diary, she wrote on January 27th, and I quote, Now most of the guys sit here and sing songs to the guitar. On the occasion that they do not work today, it seems that this is the last time we heard so many good new songs. But we hope that Rustic will live up to the challenge. So it's being questioned that she had a premonition of the fact that she knew this would be the last time they heard any like s- song singing or playing and on the guitar because of what she wrote in her diary. Which, there's a lot more to it. We'll put a link up for that to where you can go and read like pretty much all of their diary entries and stuff. Yeah, they got a lot of diary entries. All right, so those are the strange facts and findings. Not a lot, but I'll tell you what we do have a lot of. That's a lot of theories. There were a lot of theories with this one. A lot, which let's just dive right into them, okay? Do it. So, Anna, do you want to give us the first theory? I would love to start us off with talking about the gravity fluctuation theory. Now, this might be the most bizarre of the theories which you guys know me, I'm known for being the one out there, super bizarro Annie over here. Um, So, albeit one that is grounded in scientific thought, though. So, So, let's dive in. This theory essentially argues 
This theory essentially argues that there was a sudden drop in the gravity in the corridor that the hikers were unfortunately camped in that night. Now, I'll say there is a little-known, unproven phenomenon, but it does, at least in theory, exist that, will, that explains the eventual location of the campers' bodies. Now, for example, it is argued that those who first rushed outside the camp were essentially placed into a non-gravitational situation where they died instantly, as if they were in a vacuum. The others were dragged from the tent, which would explain the tears from the inside. They were literally ripped from the tent due to the sudden and dramatic drop in gravity. It is argued that the unusual phenomenon occurs more than people realize, but rarely results in such drastic situations. Now, as people aren't usually caught when this, in that event when it happens, so we just really don't see that super often. Now, some researchers, though, they claim that if the hikers had simply kept their tent shut, they would have survived this rare incident. Like, what? That doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. They got sucked out, but yet they got, uh, they're supposed to stay in there with it being shut. As far as I'm concerned, they had that thing shut. Yeah. It was cold. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was negative 22 degrees. I mean, good God. So, well, there is that one guy who's always super hot, and then they're like, would you please just open up the tent just a little? Yeah. That'd be me. I would be in two people's sleeping bags, snuggling somebody, saying how cold I still am. I would be boxers. Yeah. I would be butt-ass naked, laid out on the snow, making a snow angel, saying I'm still sweating out here. Oh, baby, I'm sweating. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so, the, the now, is this gravity fluctuation thing? Are they saying that it is a natural occurring phenomenon that happens in the environment or that it's some type of like UFO that it's a weapon of a UFO, that the UFO hovers over this specific location and then shoots down this gravity fluctuation type beam? Or if, if this is a natural occurring thing, is this what killed Jeffrey Epstein? <laughs> I don't know. I don't, we'll take that, leave that in there because I'm just like, <laughs> but no, but seriously, is, is this a natural occurring or is this a, a weapon? That's a great question. It's a great question because there's, there's actually theories about one. It might be a UFO or a secret weapon. Or, yeah. Ooh, like let's that. hear one of those. Yeah. Hit us up with one of those. We'll hop to whatever I say. The secret weapon test theory. This theory could explain the mysterious deaths, reports of strange lights, and the air of secrecy with which the Soviet authorities handled the incident. Many rumors persisted in the, the area that the Soviets would regularly test secret weapons. Some have even claimed that neutron weapons were in use. The injuries of some of the campers who had severe internal trauma but little ex external damage would certainly suggest some of sort of advance in secretive technology. Might it be possible that the Soviet military were testing weapons designed to scare the United States? For example, only to kill nine of its own citizens, much like the Gulag theories? This scenario would result in an instant and deep cover-up. It sounds familiar, right? Just the government covering up their mistakes by making shit up. You go ahead, Aaron. Yours is going to be way more educated sounding. No, 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 no. I was just going to say, like... I mean, it could be a secret weapons test, but I just thought of something that 
I'm like kind of like leaning more towards now, but I'll save that to personal thoughts and theories to the end. So I know one of you guys mentioned that it could have been possibly a UFO shooting off or some side effect of that. So, you know, we got a hypothesis for that too. So, so some researchers have this theory. And while there's no evidence to suggest that they're correct, there are some interesting details to examine that might suggest involvement of a highly advanced craft from another world. For example, where two of the hikers were discovered next to the burnt-out remains of the campfire, there was substantial damage to the trees that overlooked the makeshift base. The damage was around 15 feet high. Some researchers have theorized that this was the result of a UFO hovering just above the treetop. Furthermore, some of the group would be discovered months after they disappeared, and they were found with pieces of their skin, lips, and eyes apparently surgically removed. While some claim these are injuries, and they were merely the result of decomposition, others say the seemingly precise cuts suggest intelligent action. This is the first time I've heard of them having pieces of skin, lips, and... Well, I heard about their eyes, that girl's eye and tongue, but never of them having, like, surgically stuff cut off of them, or stuff cut off of them surgically. Very odd. That's odd. I agree. I would have liked if uh, the, the thought went deeper into who exactly was missing those, so you could look at the autopsy to verify... So-and-so was missing a piece of his lip or whatever. Yeah, the only one we know that was miss- actually missing eyes were the one of the females. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the eyes and the tongue. I didn't hear anything oh, about lips or skin. I solved it. It was Jeepers Creepers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Going over there sniffing them. But, hey, something I wanted to say real quick. Uh, during this time frame, in the late 50s, this was the same time frame that we talked about during this their, uh, during our Patreon episode this week of the secret Nazi space program. During the late Ooh. 50s and 60s, supposedly the Nazis were really testing out their UFO stuff. You know, that's when they had the reptilians wrapped around their finger and they were flying stuff around. So make sure you check that one out, that Patreon episode out. Really good. But moving on to the next theory, unless y'all had something else you want to say about UFOs. I won't say a UFO, but some kind of aircraft. It kind of makes sense, you know, blowing them out of the tent, destroying the tent up, I guess. You know, the pressure coming from... Yeah, with that gravity machine. And maybe, may- they ripped it up and covered it with snow at the same time as if something pushed and moved snow in a sudden fashion. Hey, maybe the UFO has uh, fucking neutron weapons, you know, that secret weapon. <laughs> maybe it was oh. a new driver, right? He was letting the teenage son drive it, and he was like, quick! We got it. Okay, we're going to watch some humans. Look at them. Ooh, they're staring at us, Dad. Okay, we got to leave. And he accidentally pushes the fire the laser button. No, it's the wrong button. I'm a fire my laser. Let's just go. <laughs> you know. We're entering ludicrous mode. Yeah. <laughs> All, right. All right. So we're going to go on to the next theory, which is the one we talked about, or we've been kind of mentioning here and there, the Mansi people, which is the local tribe. So this theory is um, that the deaths uh, that the deaths of the individuals 
were the result of the tax from the local tribes in the area, most notably the Mansi tribe that we talked about. There's no real evidence of this, though, so this is just a straight-up theory. Um, but the uh, Mansi people were largely peaceful and uninterested in the outside world. They kind of kept to themselves. Furthermore, much like the details already mentioned when examining the apparent escape from their tent, uh, there was no evidence in the surrounding snow of people attacking them because it was largely undisturbed. Such an approach by a tribe, you know, if they went and killed these people, they wouldn't be thinking about covering their tri- uh, tracks up. But then again, they might have. I don't know. I don't know much about this tribe. While the, uh, they certainly make, it, uh, they make a convenient scapegoat, you know, there's absolutely no evidence whatsoever that the Mansi or any other tribe in the area were responsible for these strange deaths. Uh, it, should ha- it perhaps should be noted, though, that the local tribes did refer to the mountain where the incident took place as the Mountain of the Dead, like we talked about earlier. So, strange, plausible, eh, not really, at least for me. Um, but, you know, just something, something worth thinking about. You know, a little knowledge nugget. Do they have any rituals of moving, removing tongues or eyes, this tribe? I, I don't know. If they do have rituals of removing tongues and eyes, I mean, that's a dead giveaway. They had, they attacked in the middle of the night during a blizzard and freaking killed these people and took a tongue and an eyeball and left. Sprinkle a little bit of radioactivity to throw people off the track, you know? They got some plutonium hanging out with them. I mean, they're supposed to be peaceful, so I don't, I don't know if they'd be like, turn your backs, they fucking cut your tongue and eyes out. They're going to be hearing this and give us a one-star rating. Oh, yep. I'm sorry, Nancy people. <laughs> I couldn't get through Anna's voice for more than 10 minutes. I don't know. Reading up on them. The Mansi are said in legends to be riding moose. Moose are dangerous. Hell yeah. They got some big balls. Are you sure those are not eyes dangling down there? Okay, let's go on to the next theory. All right, the next one's what? KGB plant? Yeah. All right, the next theory is a KGB plant. There are several theories that the hike into the mountains was secretly and against the majority of the hikers' knowledge. A KGB operation. Perhaps one of the most interesting aspects of these claims is the fact that the oldest member of the group, 38-year-old Zimyan, a.k.a. Alexander Zolotaryov, was not only a last-minute addition, but also reportedly had extensive military and combat training. Why exactly was he there? Perhaps the tattoo on his body is worth paying more attention to by researchers into this most mysterious case. The tattoo read, Demaruzaza. That's a good pronunciation, Dan. I know, right? So it's Deermula Zewa. I'm going to spell it out to you guys. D-A-E-R-M-M-U-A-Z-U-A-Y-A. But moving on. According to those who have researched the word, there is no translation in any known language. Well, I guess now I know why I can't fucking pronounce it. Many assume it to be a, either a secret military tag or some kind of secret society. I wonder if Hans knows that word. Hans seems like a guy who would know this word. You think? You want me to text him? I'm going to text him it. So what does this mean to you? Oh, wait a second here. Oh, shit. Fine. Here, I got to show you. I find this. It's like, hello, everybody. I have a theory about the cedar. We know that a cedar is a tree, and we know that Simeon have a tattoo of that word, or then he spells it a different way, I guess, the real way of spelling it. If you go at Morse code tree, 
you can see that the thing is a furtive plane military or it's like intelligence artificial extraterrestrial or military plane and someone like drew the morse code thing and then i guess where they found the bodies or something like that and it comes out to that stealth jet which if you draw it on i guess the morse code or whatever it does it seems a little bit of a reach it does but it's just like that is interesting looks like a bird too anyways all right so we'll move on many assume it to be as either a secret military tag or some kind of secret society moniker if there is any truth to Zolotaryov or any of the Dyatlov crew being KGB agents, what their mission might have been is still anyone's guess. Man, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know that Morse code stuff or what that word means. Yeah, neither do I. I'd have to take like a full day to dig into that word and the theories surrounding it and all that stuff. All right, so how about we go ahead and dive into some American intelligence involvement with this? Well, at least some theories on it. Ooh, I like that. Ooh. So there's some claims that the incident was a result of a CIA KGB meeting, and it was involving the handling over of radioactive materials, which ultimately resulted in the deaths of nine Soviet citizens. Now, I will say that there's no real proof for these claims. They rely heavily on the simple fact that the Cold War was in its heyday at that time. And if there was any chance at all that the United States could have been placed in a negative light, the Soviets would have taken it. However, now, there is a reason to believe there could have been a type of entrapment kind of scenario. And it was, uh, like, for example, there were considerable indications of radiation. Both of the area itself and some of the dead had that radioactive material on their clothes. Now, rumors would surface that the incident was an attempt to plant radioactive materials on CIA agents and they were, that were uh, caught behind Soviet lines. Somehow, the operation went wrong and the hikers were killed. If this theory was true, then that would mean that at least one of the hikers was a KGB operative. I want to know, like, how much radioactivity was found on them. Like, how much? Because that would tell me quite a bit, you know? I mean, yes. it's not like you just get it on you randomly. The fact that it's there at all is a weird find. Well, I think I figured it out. But we'll save that until the end. All right, so let's talk about the next theory, which was, is the Gulag authorities killed them by mistake. So in addition to the potential threats from the escaped Gulag prisoners, the Gulag authorities themselves were likely to shoot first and ask questions later, particularly in the region that the hikers were at. Now, we should bear in mind that they were off course and somewhere they had not planned to be originally. So might the Gulag authorities perhaps been conducting a standard patrol of the area or maybe looking for an escaped prisoner? They might have been like a little eager for a potential apprehension and killed the hikers by error. You know, imagine the anger from the local population if this was, you know, to become known. Perhaps then a cover-up was decided upon. Note, however, that a potential hole in this theory is that the nearest gulag was reportedly about 60 miles or 100 kilometers from where the incident took place. So the patrol area would have been extremely large. 
while there's no proof that the Gulag guards killed the hikers and covered it up, there's certainly enough murkiness around this incident for people to be suspicious. Also, it was during the Cold War era, a time when distrust, distrust even among the a country's citizens, it ran super deep. In fact, the notion that the Cold War played a major part in the mysterious incident carries over into our next theory. So who wants to kind of transition over into that one? So this next one involves escaped prisoners. Though it is less talked about, there is a claim that the hikers were the unfortunate victims of escaped prisoners from the gulags that were in that region. Many such prisoners, who very well may have been incarcerated since World War II and wouldn't have been all up to speed with the world events, so they would have been imprisoned in these facilities. To them, the conflict would have been still very much taken place unless they had other inside knowledge. And if, if they were spotted by strangers, that could have resulted in an attack from these desperate people, themselves potentially hardened from the war, of course, and untold time that they spent behind bars, with no freedom at all whatsoever, they would, you would think, weigh up the options of attacking a relatively small group against the risk of being reported to the Soviet authorities which led to many years back in those brutal gulags. I mean, there's so many mm. theories on this one. It's just options. There is. My favorite is the next one, which is my personal favorite. The, this one is the Yeti claims. Perhaps one of the most interesting claims is that the group met their grisly end at the hands, or should that be claws, of a Yeti slash Bigfoot-like creature that inhabits the remote regions of the Ural Mountains. The local Mansi tribe has legends of a yeti-like creature called the Mrnk, and furthermore, it is said to roam the area of the incident. There is a famous picture recovered from the belongings of the group on Nikolai Thibault Bernal's camera. On a shot known as Frame 17, there is a strange picture that seems to show a figure that bears a resemblance to a Bigfoot-type creature. And leave it up to our cult leader, Aaron, he has provided this picture. So yeah, you click that link and it has all the pictures that she's taken. Go down to the very last one, frame number 17. Oh, Now shit. tell me that's not Bigfoot. Tell oh. me that's not Bigfoot because that's Bigfoot. Why is he always in the same pose? I can't, I can't, uh, can't, uh, can't deny or affirm this. <laughs> Do you think that they could have been playing a trick where they put on clothes? And went out there and was like, go out there and stand like you're looking like bad Bigfoot. I don't know. That's a pretty big figure, though. Yeah, and it doesn't even look like the figure has clothes on. I mean, it looks like it's... I wish this thing would pa oh, pause. There we go. It looks like it's got... I don't know. It's blurry. It's hard it's to tell. a typical Bigfoot thing. But, like, look yeah. at the picture before. I mean, that guy's got fully covered in clothes. Yeah, he's got a hat on, but who's to say he didn't put a mask on and kind of make himself look one tone? I mean, it's black and white, so it's hard to really decipher what you're seeing. But I, I certainly see a person or a being, uh, Bigfoot, whatever it may be, standing there. I just kind of feel like his arms are a bit too short. His body doesn't seem Bigfooty. No, his his limbs seem a little uh, more fragile to me. But then again, though, if you think about it, like 
you look at the other pictures, even with their coats and stuff on, their arms don't look so small. It's like that picture, though, their arms and legs, well, their legs almost match, but the arms seem way too small. That's what I thought, too. I don't know. It's a weird picture. We'll have a link up on our website you can go to and check so I, it out. So I can affirm that that is not the Bigfoot. It could be his uh, abandoned cousin, Yeti. Never know. So some people believe that this figure was actually one of the hikers returning from a raised piece of land, which, yeah, we can see that. Probably looking to get their bearings. The fact that it was the last picture Thibaut Bernal took, though, leads to some people perhaps reading more into what there actually is, or perhaps it wasn't Bigfoot or anyone from that group. So I don't know. It's a weird picture, that's for sure. It is. All right, so this last theory that we're going into is what they've essentially wrote it off as at this point. As Dan, you said 2019, they closed the book saying that it was an, av- an avalanche that caused these? Yes, that is correct. So that is apparently the most obvious answer. Uh, radioactivity, check, sure, you always get that in the avalanche. Um, missing tongue and eyes, yeah. Let's add that to an avalanche uh, side effect as well. But I will, I'll tell you what they think about this. Okay, so for the most obvious explanation would be that the group, for all their experience, were the unfortunate victims of a freak ac- avalanche. A freak avalanche. That's it. Okay, solved. That's it. That's, we're, we're good. Well, not quite. First off, the area was absolutely... The area has absolutely no history of avalanches. Certainly none that would cause outright death. Secondly, even if this was a freak occurrence that just happened to hit on the night when hikers just happened to be on that part of the mountainside, and there was simply no evidence of an av- of an avalanche, when the searchers eventually combed the area in search of these missing hikers. Aside from there being no evidence of an avalanche, the injuries eventually discovered on the recovered bodies didn't line up with such an incident. Although, this explanation was very much promoted at the time, and even now some people insist that's what happened. It simply doesn't add up to me personally. But such instance, against the obvious facts, could be argued to suggest a cover-up of sorts. Yeah. So now we roll into personal thoughts and theories because those are all the theories. And my personal thought and theory around all this kind of kind of adds on to the avalanche theory. If y'all are cool with me going over mine. No. Okay. Well, I'm sorry, Dan. (laughs) So I think now this is just my personal thought and theory behind all this. I think it was an avalanche. I think an avalanche was coming down. Okay. And they heard it. Right. They went they went crazy. They we're like, we got to get out of this tent. They cut the tent open and partial avalanche happened. Maybe, you know, weird shit happened. They tried to climb up a tree and uh, didn't work out too well. They ended up dying. Right. But you're probably wondering, what about the radioactivity? Now, this is what I know for certain. OK, when you go and work at a nuclear power plant and you have or you're around radioactivity and you leave the plant, there is a potential that you take radioisotopes with you 
I have seen people at nuclear power plants come into certain other power plants and have radioisotopes on their shoes from other nuclear power plants. Okay. Now, now this Yuri Krivonshenko guy or whatever, he we talked about him and uh, how he worked at where was it at Cherblinsky 40, the secret nuclear facility. He was one of the the many who was sent to clean it up. And that was the plutonium plant. Now, if I knew the exact radioisotopes that were found on the bodies and it was a part of like a plutonium or it was an isotope that could be traced back to a plutonium plant, then I would be, that's it. That he, it, the radioactivity is just from his clothes, right? He worked there and he wore the same clothes or shoes and they were just trace amounts from when he worked there, which could be plausible. Those trace amounts stay around forever, depending on what isotope it is. So I can see the radioactivity, man. The only thing that I'm like iffy about is the eyeballs and the tongue. And that's why I'm kind of leaning more towards like maybe they did die during an avalanche. The isotopes was from the dude working at the nuclear plant power plant and the girl got her eyeballs and tongue ate by an animal. That's the only plausible explanation I can really like if I had to lean towards something that would be it. But is another thing that throws a wrench in all this is that weird last photo. Could that have been something that they saw that was maybe stalking them? And the girl was like, we have to take a photograph. of." Was the girl who took a photograph the one who was writing the weird diaries? Uh, the photo of the weird person creature was Tebow Renault. Oh, the du- Dubinina was the one with the weird diary. Oh, okay. All right. Maybe something was tracking them throughout their entire expedition and they kind of felt that. And then they finally got a picture of it. And that night is when it went insane and decided to attack them. I don't know. Just a theory. That that could be a possible reason why those people tried to climb the tree. They can get high, get above it. And they... They certainly dug into that tree to get up. Whatever, if they were running from an avalanche or possible yeti or some sort of threat, they climbed that tree with their life in danger. You don't tear up your hands like that just because you want to climb a tree. Yeah, you don't tear out of a tent. If you're in a freezing cold and that's your tent, you don't cut it open with a knife to get out unless it's a life or death situation. So that's my theory. I don't know, truly. If I had to take the more plausible route, I'd say avalanche. If I had to take the more outrageous route, I would say an animal of some weird mythological creature, half alien, half Bigfoot, killed them. So, Dan, what is yours? If you had to lean, what's your personal thoughts and theories behind all this? Literally, the start of yours was exactly my thinking, is that an avalanche was starting to come out. And I'm going to assume that maybe one or two of them were outside of the tent, either saw or heard the avalanche yelled it out and the others instead of like going through the zipper because it was probably closed you know when you exit you close it up for other people you know courtesy they probably just ripped cut ripped open the tent jump out one of them had like what one shoe on maybe when they were running around so they tried to put their clothes on but pretty much frantically just ran two tried to climb the two yuris tried to climb the tree to get above where the snow was coming down unfortunately failed. So 
I'm definitely thinking the avalanche was the first part of it. And like you said, Krivoni Shenko working at the uh, plutonium plant, this nuclear secret site or whatever, he could have probably uh, had an uptake. Yeah. He, he was radioactive himself. Maybe something like that. That's probably why they found some of the clothes that radioactivity. He might have been radioactive himself because I'm not sure how long before this expedition was before he was at that plant. So he could have still been fresh in him. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying I know anything about nuclear, the decay rate of certain isotopes. An isotope, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, that, that kind of makes sense for that because it wasn't on all clothes. Because if they were around something radioactive enough, there would be more of it. But it was only on, like, I guess a certain set of clothes. But then, just like you said, like the, the tongue, I'm thinking maybe frostbite. Mm. Tongue froze, you know, being cold, you, she pro- probably tongue was sticking out, didn't know. Went to bite down, bit off her own damn tongue. Do you think it might have been multiple avalanches? Maybe the first one came down and some of them got away and then they come back to get the clothes to survive longer. They did try to go back to the tent. Yeah. And then the, uh, uh, more avalanche comes down. It's possible because, you know, it comes down in kind of like a layers. The skull fractures, boom, hits their heads and the compression force that they died from was from the snow compacting on them. And then it'd been what four or so months since they were found. So the snow could have melted. Right. Oh, I don't know. Just so yeah, I didn't, they said it didn't show evidence of avalanche. Oh, we'll scrap that theory. They said there was no evidence of avalanche. That's what they said. When the searchers came by, uh, there was no evidence supporting that there was a, a avalanche. And where they were found, there's been no really history of avalanches happening in that area. Doesn't mean that there couldn't have been one then. Damn. Someone could have caused one. It's true. Yeah. A UFO. But I mean. Orgies. So if anything, like, so probably the area that they were in, there could have been an avalanche or they thought there was one. Still f- frantically panicked because if you look at some of the photos, you can see that visibility was terrible near the end. Krivoni Shenkos, if you look at like the last two photos where they're hiking, visibility is shitty. So maybe, you know, they thought or felt something was happening. So they panicked. But then by the time they realized nothing was happening, some of them got way too cold. Then some of them were trying to make it back to the tent to get their supplies. And then yet he came out and ripped out the tongue and eyes of the woman saying, these are pretty eyes. I like them. (laughs) I like that. But then again, though, in one of the pictures, I see a dog. I don't know if this dog went on the expedition with them, but they didn't say that it looked like any animal really ate the eyes and tongue. A lot of mystery surrounding this. So what's yours, Anna? So one that I kind of liked about this one is the infrasound theory. Did you guys dig into that at all? The which one? No. Infrasound? No, I did not hear about that. So this is a natural forming phenomenon. Phenomenon. Where... <laughs> phenomenon. Phenomenon. So it's a low frequency sound that forms when winds create vortexes in a nutshell. That's what it is. They create like mini tornadoes and the sounds are so low. They've done tests that so if a sound is below 20 hertz and that's lower than we could perceive, 
But just because we can't hear it with our ear doesn't mean it doesn't affect us. You could be affected by a vibe of somebody without saying anything. This vibe is down on that 20 hertz level, super low. So in some people, when they hear this low frequency, it actually can induce the feelings of fear or dread and depression. Uh, people act irrationally whenever they hear this sound. So maybe that could have led them to just, they heard it. It was overwhelming because it was some sort of test that Russia was testing a attack technique using infrared technology. Or, or sorry, infrasound technology. And it was unfortunate that they were actually there. They weren't meant to die, but it just happened. It's funny you mention that because um, about a year or so ago, I was diving in the deep, dark web and I came across this topic and somebody posted military records that provided proof that they were doing military exercises and certain secret weapon bombings and secret weapon testing in the area. And that is what killed these hikers. And it showed dates and stuff like that. And I could not, for the life of me, I dug and dug and dug and dug and dug. And it was nuked off the internet. I could not find it. But I know for a fact, I saw them with my eyes. Weird you mentioned that. I feel like I heard it on another podcast as one of the theories. And it sounded really appealing to me. Yeah, so I, I was looking at trying to figure out what it could do to people. And in humans, it can cause... uh. Like headaches, nausea, night terrors, sleep disorders. The lower you get with the frequency, the more it does. So if it hits that right frequency, it can resonate with the human eye. And it causes them to vibrate. So this can lead to disorienting vision and the possibility of seeing ghost sightings, like figures moving. So it may also cause somebody to feel that there is an entity in the room with them. They also feel that dread feeling. So if they were, let's say they did see a Yeti, and then coincidentally on this same trip, this infrasound technology was being used, now they have like a, in their head, the Yeti's coming. They have a, in their head a rational fear of this Yeti coming to get them because of this technology. Maybe it was that government having someone dressed up as a Yeti to test the reaction of that device and then their yeah and their reaction to seeing an animal or some unknown creature you can't test something unless the participants cannot be aware of the experiment so it's unfortunate that it would have to be leading to death but that's kind of how things go yep proper results well when they were doing these studies to figure out if people kind of got possibly saw ghosts and and uh, fears like that they said all they had to use was a low-frequency fan or, like, a vibrating fan, and they got it down to 18.98 hertz, and that resonated with the frequency of the human eye that made it vibrate. And it also created a standing wave in one area of the room, which made foil vibrate in the room. So showing that it really was affecting the physical world with the sound. Sound is going to be the new technology that they're going to use to make planes go. Whenever they turned off this fan, though, the people inside said there was a huge weight lift off, lifted off of them. And the vibrations that you get from this frequency will cause optical illusions, depressed feelings, like I said. People felt like the laboratory was haunted after this experience because of 
what they felt when they were in this. So let's say that we have these people now out in the, going out into the wilderness is always going to give you a little eerie feeling because it's the unknown. You can assume that there's going to be at least some sort of predator animal out there where you still have a sense of, like, a little fear. You can't lie. You've got to be a little nervous. So they're out there. Matter of uh, maybe just being at the wrong place at the wrong time. Russia tried this technology to use it as a weaponized device. Then found out after the fact that there were people in that area. Because like you mentioned, it was an area that people don't normally go to. So maybe Russia thought that it was a good a good place to do a test on how it affects the environment or something. And the hikers just reacted to it irrationally by just leaving their tents without grabbing their clothes, uh, just scurrying. They didn't try to open the door. They just ripped it open. Two ran up a tree. Didn't they have a theory that the guy who hit his head or the guy who had a fr- small fracture might have fallen off a slight edge and hit his head? I heard something like that, yeah. So him just running in the darkness, trying to get away from the sound. You can't get away from sound. Even though he doesn't know he's running from it, he's just sensing that something's uh, in his area. And maybe it did wear off. Like, they stopped doing the experiment, right? And then the people who didn't die in the first wave walked back up to go get the, the clothes, realized, like, the tent was all tore up, right? And then they got the clothes because they realized we have to survive out here. And these people are already dead or maybe they weren't dead yet, but they were nearly there. And so they just took their clothes and ultimately they would not survive. That's a good theory. Thank you. You did, you did good on that. I'm <laughs> proud of you. <laughs> and I love you. Oh. And I love you. No, but yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good. This sound thing is very interesting. I'm going to have to dig more into that. I've never heard about... Uh, Hertz being low below 20 and it causing certain things to happen. Hmm. It's going to be interesting to dig into. I again, I, this was a long time ago, but I didn't see it this time. But I swore that this thing could d- damage you from the inside of your body. The infrared sound can in- damage you on the inside and not show any sign of trauma on the outside. And that matches up to the three of the hikers. Yeah. So. Anna out here solving the case. Just put me on the job. I got it. So I was reading some of the journal or the diary entries. I'm starting to think that they might have had a, a falling out. Ooh, tell us, Danielson. Uh-oh. The 90-day fiancé drama. So yes. on a, one of the nights, or I think it was uh, January 30th, supposedly their tent had a bunch of holes and stuff in it. And the journal entry, it doesn't say anything about how the holes happened, but the one unknown diary on this site was Dubinina and Thibault Bernal got into a heated argument about, I guess, who was going to sew up the tent to fix the holes. Because during, like, during these expeditions, you don't sit by the fire until all work is, like, all your work is done. And I guess Thibault was supposed to do some of the like sewing up, but he decided not to and sit down and Dubinina was jumping on his case and everything. Then finally, like Tebow just said, you know, F it, I'm going to go do it. And like a couple of them went and sew the, like fixed the holes up, but Dubinina didn't say anything and just went straight into the tent. Then supposedly two of them 
two that were uh, mostly clothed during the night end up going out, I guess, to go relieve themselves. And I'm figuring with the way things were going, they must have been having like a falling out inside that tent. Maybe they, they, someone like started a fight in there, end up ripping the tent out. People, you know, sleeping, waking up like, what the fuck going on? No, they said it was cut open with a knife. Somebody got pissed, pulled a knife out, tried to cut them and then cut the tent open on accident, missing. The person went running. They cut the chick's tongue. Oh, they cut the chick's tongue off and her eyes out. People were freaking out and they cut the tent open. The people try to get away from them. The Yuris, they try climbing up a tree because motherfuckers run around with a knife. Right. Which the screaming caused an avalanche. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh, now you're the solving it, man. called the Yeti. And the Yeti come running over there. <laughs> Fuck. Here we go. Which then called the UFO to come and pick up the Yeti. Like, what the fuck are you doing over here, dude? Oh, snap. Which then made the Yeti's mating call is at the rate of the infrasound, 20 hertz, which caused them to even run further. Damn. All, all these theories are almost right. <laughs> Tie it all together here at Theories of the Third Kind. So anybody else got anything they want to add before we roll into voicemails and on-the-scene reports? Uh, dude, I did find one other thing in the journal entry. Where is it? What'd at? you find? So... I'm like reading this one part. It was the weird thing is though, is the date's kind of wrong. I think she wrote the year wrong because it goes from 228.58 to 129.59. So it's like, why would you write a totally different year expedition in the same code. diary for your thing? But all right. So it, it could have been a different place, but just this one, like one phrase, Sasha. Kalevatov tested his device and then quit. So one of them was testing out some kind of device somewhere else. I guess a year before that, and then now they're on the same expedition again. So maybe some kind of device, like the infrared device or something. Maybe he had a device or not infrared, uh, infrasound. Because that's that kind of weird. Like it just says Kalevatov tested his device and then quit. And that was 22858 entry. Oh, no, she got the wrong. She got wrong the month and the year. So this was Janu- pretty much January 28th, 1959. So this was actually, I guess, the same. Yeah, so this was the same expedition and stuff. So he had some kind of device he was testing. Hmm. I, know, that, I thought that was just a little weird, but there's nothing else about it. That is weird. Could it be a camera device? I mean, it, I'm just trying to play devil's advocate, Dan, because I think that that sounds pretty good. So no, just <laughs> trying to see how I could rebuttal. Here, this is... This is the journal entry for that. It's like, where does that device... Wait. August 11th, you're in Union's leaving too. You took a few samples. So they took samples of something too. Sasha tested his device. That was the older guy, right? That had a, the tattoo of the real weird name on his chest. He was the guy who just... T- I think he was the dude that had military because he's like, he went by Sasha. No one really knew much about him. Which would lead to the theory that he could be the KGB agent. Okay, so the last name goes with the Alexander Golovitov. He was studying nuclear physics and stuff, and he wor- worked at the inorganic materials that was engaged in producing materials for growing nuclear industry. Hmm. I don't know. It's just getting it's getting weirder. That's a good find, Dan. That's real good. Yeah, it is. We'll let the listeners follow up on that one. Y'all tell us what y'all find with that. 
Yeah, for I'll, sure. I'll dangle that bait. Y'all see what you dangle can find. Dangle that bait, baby. Dangle that bait. All right. Well, any of y'all got anything you want to add? I think I added way too much. <laughs> well, that's the end of the show today. I want to thank you for joining us, but don't go anywhere because we have more. So now we're going to roll to Hans is on the scene. If you aren't familiar with Hans on the scene, it is basically where Hans, our on the scene reporter, goes out into the public and gets their opinions on certain theories. So we have his on the scene interview, and we're going to play that right now. Get your boy Hans on the scene. So, do you believe in UFOs? A little bit. A little bit? A little bit. Like, what What would it take to go to from a little bit to all the way? To see one. To see one? I've seen them. You've seen them? On video. On video. Tres ocho. Okay. So, what are, what are some conspiracy theories you do believe in? I feel like the military is behind that. The what? The military. What about it? What the about the... Like okay. Okay, what about this child sex trafficking stuff? Do you believe in that? About all the Hollywood stuff? Yeah. Do you believe Tom Hanks is one of the people that they named? I wouldn't be surprised. You wouldn't? No. Even, even though he's never played a bad bad role, no. like as a bad person, he's always been that uprighteous? No. no? I wouldn't be surprised just for the fact that people I know in real life that I thought were like super saints and then come to find out they were doing that kind of stuff. Oh, so, yikes. I, do, you believe in, do you believe in Bigfoot? No. So, 100%. That was so rude to be interrupted. So, uh, so what? So like, what if you woke up in the middle of the night with some aliens standing around you? Would you believe it then? Yeah, but I don't want to see them. You don't want to see them? <laughs> Look, what I'm if they were? Put that out there. Trust me, I believe in other stuff because I've seen stuff personally. You've seen stuff like. So therefore, I'm more open to a lot of that. Okay, what have you seen? Um, I've actually woken up in my grandmother's house to an older family, probably from, I say. 1900s. Oh wow! That was like picking dinner. How'd like that make you family. feel? I was scared as crap. I tried to act like wake my sister up, but I couldn't wake her up. You couldn't. I've woken up and seen like the black figure with the tall hat at my other grandmother's house. Oh my! The shadow people. Yeah. My goodness. Um. It's been a couple of things, but yeah, I definitely believe in a lot of that. Sounds terrifying. Oh, I love his interviews. That one is by far the the best one he's done yet, I think. Yeah. Well, he's got a, a listener or a uh, interviewee who actually answered the question. The fact that she doesn't like Bigfoot or doesn't believe in Bigfoot, I'm going to beat her up. Oh, you're going to beat her up? Uh-oh. Gender equality. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, I, I, how many times have we heard of people having paranormal encounters with a shadow person with a top hat. That's. I've heard a lot from different people. So Abraham Lincoln's out there sucking toes, man. No, I don't know. <laughs> but he's out there as a shadow person. That ghost is, or shadow person is fancy as fuck with that top hat. Yeah, he is. But thank you, Hans. I love you and I'm proud of you. Keep them coming, man. I love them. I can't get enough of them. Honestly, I just, as soon as his voice comes on the, my headset, my panties drop. I just don't know what to do. And then he just talks theories to me and whoo. Oh, Lordy. Is my closet getting hot? Tanya, what you doing in here, girl? 
<laughs> I love you. And I'm proud of you. Nice. It was weird, though, in the questions. She said that she thought the military were behind the UFOs, and then he completely switched it up. Oh. Hmm. It's just something worth noting. CIA operative? Maybe he is the alien. <gasps> he could be CIA. Let's watch him. He's a plant. He's our mole. Yeah. All right. Thank you for the on-the-scene report, Hans. We love you. And see you next week. Oh. All right. Now we're moving on to voicemails. So the first voice mail this week comes from Jake, and we're going to play that one right now. First of all, Bigfoot 2020, and of course, sneakers. Secondly, I'm proud of you, and I love you. Thirdly, it's your boy, Jake Farm. Anna, what's up? No shout out or anything? Damn, I thought we were tight. It seemed like we were fighting or something when we talked about our love for cats. Dogs and other animals. Or at least that's how I felt. People need to know how much we have in common with our families. And don't get me started on state farm ads. I can't get away from them. Oh, and what the heck is with this no-oil asshole mystery man trying to move in on my voice changer gimmick? Huh? I'm not trying to be mean, but you're not going to get a light on the Montauk chair by just... Downloading a crappy app on your phone and trying to pass it off on this top tier podcast. That's just uninspired laziness. Pro tip, get yourself an actual physical voice box from the dark web. That's what I do. Try to be more like Hans and you'll go far in your three-foot community, kid. Anyways, I wanted to build off of that theory about the pandemic being a planned cycle every 100 years. What if the Great Depression was a new addition to the cycle to help control the growing population of the planet? Now hear me out. The last major pandemic in the U.S. was the Spanish flu. And then almost 10 years later, we had a severe worldwide depression. Full of misery and perfect for harvesting a drain of food. And it looks like we're kicking the can down the road to the next depression. I don't want to get political with you, but unfortunately... Every evil lizard person at the top is making it difficult not to. Like Aaron, I am too a man of the people, but unfortunately both political parties suck. And they're wrong. Stop the duopoly. Now let's talk about something important, like my Patreon VIP status. I'd like to ask for an episode on Harry Houdini. Especially how he was a spy for the U.S. and British governments. I feel right about that. And of course, any other strange facts and findings you guys can come up with about it. By the way, did anyone even bring up the cryogenically frozen what body for the Dark Disney episode? Or did I just miss that little bit of info? Also, have you guys ever seen Mickey Mouse making Swiss cheese? Look that video up. <laughs> Until next time, stay woke, nerds. I couldn't understand about 90% of what he was saying because his voice was so goddamn deep. That was so deep. I don't think that's what it was. I'm pretty sure um, I forgot to remove his ball gag as well. Oh. That yeah. Okay, sense. that explains it. Uh, yeah, because I had trouble hearing him too. Usually I could translate with the ball gag, but I couldn't this time. Oh, I heard he uh, called out the other guy using the voice changer because he said that's his thing. 
that's not going to get him a ride on the Montauk chair. Uh, he did bring up a good point. We totally did not talk about the cryogenically frozen Walt Disney. And how they may possibly made the movie Frozen. So when you type in Disney Frozen, it doesn't pop up with him being frozen. Instead, the movie. Yeah. Oh, sneaky, sneaky. Yeah. Sneaky. Uh. Just like there's going to be a movie called um, Pedophiles. And it's just going to go right to that. So you never have to see Epstein or <laughs> Maxwell or Tom Hanks, Seth Green. Do I need to keep going? Can <laughs> we call it Love of a Child? But thank you, Jake. We'll add the, uh, what was his topic suggestion for VIP status? Uh, Houdini. Houdini. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're definitely going to add Houdini to the topic suggestion list. Fucking love magicians. To the VIP suggestion list, suggestion list, baby. Boom. Yeah. But thank you, Jake. Love you. I'm proud of you. Yes. Much love. Jake, I'm sorry I haven't given you a shout out. <sighs> I failed you. As I sink deeper into my chair in sadness, you're right. We did bond. I knew what kind of dogs you had. We talked about dog training. It was a beautiful moment. I still remember it. You have a beautiful cat, too. But I've just been a little distracted, and you just got to be patient with me. Got a lot on my mind, honey. Just give me time. I love you, and I'm proud of you. And I'll nice. <laughs> I'll be sure to give you more positive affirmations. See, see, Jake. You know what happened? You let her put that ball gag ball gag in way too early. She got she got what she wanted from you. Oh yeah. Yep. I'll take you for a ride, my man. <laughs> All right. So thank you, Jake, again for the voicemail. So the next voicemail is from Elizabeth, and we're going to play that right now. Hello, Anna, Aaron, and Danielson. This is Elizabeth leaving another voicemail for this week. I w first want to um, commend... Aaron on keeping his composure through the Waco episode, I found myself becoming very emotional and um, in general with that, that uh, topic, I get quite emotional and quite um, un un undisposed, like I'm not very um, politically correct maybe. <laughs> so I wanted to applaud you for keeping your composure as well as you did, especially having a personal connection to it. I don't think I could have done as well as you did, so congratulations, and I'm not trying to be condescending, I just honestly applaud you for it. Um, so this week's uh, going to be a, a short little thing that happened to me back when I, I moved out at quite a young age, like 15, and my brother was um, at one point living down the hall from me in the apartment building that I lived in at the time. This is the one that was built on the school ground where an old school was and um, I was laying on my brother's couch he wasn't there and I was just about almost half asleep and um, I'm kind of a paranoid person so like I'm always making sure my my, my uh, windows are shut my doors are locked that kind of thing and um, anyways I'm laying on the couch half asleep and in walks this oh, probably about six foot person, completely covered in black, almost like um, grunge wear. Um, and uh, black hair, greasy hair covering his face. 
He looked in the bedroom and then turned around and walked back out. Me being in the um, half-asleep state, I thought, okay, well, it's just my brother, whatever. I fell asleep. Um, had a quick nap, and then I woke up and checked my door, the door to my brother's apartment, and it was locked. <laughs> so, um, it obviously was not my brother. I, f I figured it out later that the gentleman, the, the guy that came in was looking for a young girl in the bedroom. Um, I don't know if the girl had perished there or something. I'm still not sure to this day. Um... But I did find out later on that an older gentleman had uh, died in that apartment. It used to be senior apartments, so there was a lot of death in that um, area in the first place. And I don't know what happened to the old school, but it was just kind of interesting that that was like my first full apparition um, of a full person. It wasn't hazy, it wasn't anything like that. It was completely a full apparition. So that was kind of cool. It was a little bit creepy, obviously, but... It was kind of cool um, to happen such at such a young age. Anyways, I'm going to let it, you guys go there for now, and I look forward to next week's episode. Love you guys. Bye. Thank you, Elizabeth, for that. That was, uh, I don't know. I don't know how I'd feel about seeing a full, um, like a full figure. I'm still trying to get used to the idea of seeing spirits in the future, because I feel like that's going to be something that happens. Uh, with me trying to get more connected. And if you have any tips of how to kind of stay calm in those and how to navigate that, that'd be great. You can message me on the side. I'd be happy to learn a little bit more about how you um, kind of work with your abilities. Thank you, Elizabeth. We always appreciate you calling in. and you get, I'm always surprised by your stories. It's amazing. So thank you. I love you. Yes, thank you, Elizabeth. And thank you for the kind words. You know, it was hard keeping my cool during the uh, Branch Davidian episode and uh, having to relive my people, you know, being murdered by the hands of the tyrannical government. But hey, you know, we got to get through those by talking it through. You know, um, I did have a question. Well, first, I wanted to say uh, thank you for sharing your story. But I had a question, particularly for you and Dale. Have either of you, when together, experienced any paranormal stuff? And have you ever seen a UFO in person? If so, I would love to hear about it. Those are good questions. But yeah, thank you for sharing your stories. Can't wait to hear back from you. And uh, love you, Andel. And I'm proud of you. Yes, thank you for the voicemail and telling your story. It's like we look forward to hearing that as y'all look forward to hearing that next episode. I love it. It's very true. Yeah. Sorry, Dale. I didn't forget about you. Maybe a half a second. I love you. I miss you. I'm sorry. I've been on Discord, but I miss you. Read my palms. <laughs> Read my palms. <laughs> Read my palms, Dale. <laughs> They're really sweaty. What does that mean? <laughs> my palms are sweaty and they stink. What the, is this? <laughs> the skin's peeling on it. Have I been using it too much? <laughs> All right. All right. So the next voicemail we have is from either Jesus or Jesus. I'd like to think it's from Jesus himself. Um, I guess we're about to find out. So we'll play that right now. Hello. Hi, hello, everyone. Um, I'm a traveler of time and space. I've been informed that Hans is in here. Many most don't know, but Hans is my father. 
he was taken away by the Greys to protect me and my mother while I was young. I've been scouring the universe, looking for Hans, my father. Hopefully, this trail, unlike others, will lead me to him, so we can be reunited. For anyone out there that knows information, please, I'm begging you, help me find my father. Well, Hans, that's a voicemail from your future kiddo, I'm guessing. I, I'm not really sure. Mm. He says he travel time, so I guess the future, son? Well, you know, Hans does reach out to us every week, but we've never made contact with Hans. He just leaves us an envelope with a tape on the inside, classified, and then that's how we'd get the Hans on the scene recordings. So I never really thought about how secretive he is. How are we gonna get? Yeah. How are we gonna get a hold of him to reunite? I don't know. It's a mystery that the world may never solve. You know, kind of like how many licks it takes to get to the center of a tootsie pop. How do you get a hold of Hans? A Same one, question category. Two, three. We'll never know. But if you hear this, Hans, please answer the question. Your son misses you, and he loves you. Yes. And if you have a lollipop that needs licks, let me know. Jesus. <laughs> and Hans, if you don't give it an answer, we're going to take this to the Maury show because we're going to try to figure this out. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> All right. But thank you for the voicemail. We love you. We do. Thank you. We love you. Yes. Much love. Thank you for the voicemail. This next voicemail is from Mr. Poopy Pants. So we'll play that one right now. Hello, people. My name is Mr. Poopy Pants. And I'd like to take the time to thank Aaron and Anna for listening to my message last week about Bigfoot 2020. And I'd just like to turn my attention now to Mr. Dan, Mr. Bigfoot campaign manager, Mr. You, sir, have tricked many people, but you will not trick me, sir, because I know exactly what you want to do now. You want Bigfoot 2020 to start renovating all of the White House because of his big poop, and then you want to charge and raise people taxes. And I will not stand for that, sir. I have no choice but to run for campaign 2020 because I don't want to see people get tax raised. You, you, what, what will Bigfoot 2020 do that is so good? You always say Bigfoot 2020, but, but nothing happens. So you tell me what will happen, sir. I can see the shame in your eyes, and you should be ashamed of yourself. So people, vote for me, and I promise to lower all taxes to zero. Sasquatch Yeti 2020, people. I'll let you answer that, Daniel. See, Bigfoot won't be charging anybody to be renovating the toilets and the plumbing in the White House. Because Bigfoot's all natural. He'll cut down some trees, probably, himself, and he'll, he's going to build his own plumbing. More than likely, it's going to be outside, where he'll probably just plant a tree, and this tree will be marked for pooping only. So he'll probably be just like Shrek. This is my swamp. What's the kid say? Yeah, so, Do the roar. <laughs> Do the roar. I love you, Daddy. God, that was so accurate. Do the roar. Do the roar. Yay. But yeah, no, he won't be raising taxes. I'm not sure where you got that information from, but 
Bigfoot is always, he doesn't want everyone just be going like, yeah, I'm going to go vote for him. He wants it to be a fair competition on who should be it. And plus, he's all natural. Nice. But thank you, Mr. Poopy Pants, for the voicemail. I got to say, I'm still voting for Bigfoot 2020. It's how I roll, you know. That's how it is. But thank you for the voicemail, and I love you. But I'm not proud of you. <laughs> well, I like your ambition to try to better the world, Mr. Poopy Pants. But I must say, I'm a strong supporter of Mr. Bigfoot, Mr. President Bigfoot to be. And I will support him till that final vote goes into that box. And then I will manipulate the rest to make sure he's in. <laughs> Boom. You will not win. <laughs> Surrender now, Mr. Poopy Ben. All your base belong to us. All right. Well, thank you for the voicemail. We're going to move on to the next one. Yes. Thank you for the voicemail. This next voicemail is from Wyatt. And we're going to play that right now. What's up, ladies? It's Wyatt. And uh, I need I, I, I need to know about Bigfoot's uh, campaign. I know he's for the people, but um, there's been some allegations against Mr. Chupacabra. You, you want to explain that? And please, I want to go. A few people in my house want to go stories for. It's eerie. It, it's scary. I, I like those. They make me they make me stay up at night. All right. Love you guys. Peace out, chodes. <laughs> thank you Wyatt I love you uh, Dan I'll let you answer the allegations against Chupacabra this is the first time hearing about him so what's going on with Chupacabra the VP uh, so Chupacabra man he he's an interesting fellow I gotta say that he's he's like the companion of Bigfoot and sometimes you know in the heat of the moment Chupacabra might might you know mount some things and take advantage of, you know, that. But I'm pretty sure that those they were all consented, you know, I think. Loch Ness. Is this the Loch Ness allegations? I think so. I think that's what it is. Uh, Nessie needs to step up and, you know, admit that she's wrong. Chupacabra had consent. I'm just saying. I don't know uh, Chupacabra and Nessie talk. The, la- the language they speak, but I'm pretty sure it was consented. Well, that's that's good. Good to clear that up. Uh, Ghost Stories 4 is coming soon. Okay, we're what? A month away from Ghost Stories 4? Maybe even less than that. What, like a month away, I would About say? About a month away. About a month away from Ghost Stories 4. So you can look forward to that, Wyatt. And I look forward to hearing back from you. And I love you. And actually, I want to hear one of your ghost stories. Tell me a ghost story. Yeah. Send in a voicemail of your ghost story because I want to hear it and I want it to be very scary. The end. Thank you very much for uh, calling in, Wyatt. I know that you're probably a little sad I haven't shouted you out or been on Twitter to message you. And I apologize for that, but I'm thinking about you and I miss you. Mm. And I can't wait to talk to you. Nice. All right, this next voicemail comes from Stims. We're going to play that right now. So this is like my fifth or sixth time recording this because I really hate my voice. Um, But it's Michaela. Um, I'm just, you know, calling in to say I love you guys and I love the podcast. I'm finally listening listening to the Malaysia 
Airlines Flight 307 podcast. And that's the last one that I have to listen to at this moment. Which is tripping me out because I don't really watch TV or anything. I just kind of have been listening to y'all's podcasts. Um, I like to get y'all's movie suggestions because... You know, I like to watch movies that maybe I traditionally wouldn't pick. And I like to see what other people like to watch. And y'all have some pretty good movies. Um, So throw those my way. And if y'all have suggestions on, like, art to make, that would be really cool, too. Um, Because I have to decorate my space at the tattoo shop. Um, Because I go back to work on Tuesday. Um, Anna. I just want to let you know that I'm still digging your vibes. I can feel it from here all the way in Texas. And you've got me, like, doing this whole numbers thing. I don't know what it is. Um, Danielson, you're really, really funny. And Aaron, I mean, you already know. You know what it is. Um, just want to say I love you guys. But I, but I don't know what it is. That's the thing. I don't know what it is. What it is? Question mark. What it is? Is it what? Don't you know, Aaron? It is. That's what it is. Oh. It is. Okay. But hey, thank you for the voicemail. And congratulations on going back to work on Tuesday. And if you want a couple movie suggestions, I got you. Okay? Number one. The platform on uh, the movie called The Platform. Pretty good. It's another language. But it's a, it's a decent movie. Uh, Vivarium. Very weird movie. Decent, right? Those are two movie suggestions. What do y'all got? I was talking to her a bit last night, actually, or two nights ago. I think it was last night. And I suggested my go to Idiocracy. Oh, great movie. And The Island. Oh, another great one. Oh, have you guys Mm. seen What Dreams May Come by Robin with Robin Williams? No, I remember you talking about that before, too. I've yet to see it. Yes. That's a movies that people have not seen from Robin Williams that'll make you kind of think and then kind of cringe at the same time with one of them. Well, What Dreams May Come is just phenomenal. The one that's kind of cringy weird is uh, One Hour Photo, where he plays a guy who develops photos and kind of gets really attached to a family that constantly goes there to get their photos developed. That's all I'll say about it. But those are good ones. Oh, I also suggested Supersize Me, one, the first one, and the second. Big Chicken. Real, yes. It, you know, I was thinking, what would he do in the second one? He already ate a shit ton of McDonald's. He turned it and went like a whole different direction and opened your mind to like, is it really free range chicken? Watch it. Open up your minds, people. It's good. It's really good. Well, Dan, well, you got any movie suggestions? Uh, Train to Busan. It's, as subtitles, I think it's Japanese. It's a horror thriller movie. That one's pretty good. I liked it. Didn't expect to like it. I think randomly watched it and actually sat there and just fucking read the whole time. <laughs> but it was actually pretty good. Oh, Three Tinda Yuma's in a good one. Oh, yeah. And uh, the movie Aaron Gets Killed by... A cat is a pretty good one. Goddamn Gollum going crazy like I got the ring or something. <laughs> well, that was good. He went ham. Dude, he was after that ass. But, uh, shoot, I don't know, like, what type of movies does she like? Is it like thrillers or just anything in particular? 
Well, what she says is that she likes to hear other people's movies, so she steps out of her zone, her comfort zone of movies. Oh. And so, yeah, it's things that we'd like to watch. Well, I definitely like things that make me think. Go ahead, Dan. I was going to say, the one movie that I really liked, and I've actually watched it again recently, which is a very unheard of movie, I think. The Legend of 1900. It is, it's kind of like a, it's not a musical where the people are like singing, but it's a guy that was born on like a, one of the ships that traveled back and forth like from Europe to America. He's never set foot on land and all that. But he ends up learning how to play the piano and he's like really good. I actually like classical stuff like that. And it's actually one of those really good movies where he like kind of falls in love at the end and he writes this badass song type thing. I don't know. It's it's a really good one if you kind of just want to relax there and watch it and have the feels. I guess. Nice. Nobody makes me feel my own feels. Nobody. That's right. That made me think of that old that movie. It's not old. It's older than now. But the pianist, that one was really good with Adrian. Uh, touch the B. Uh, he was in Cadillac Records. Hey, anyways, the pianist, really good movie. Also watch that. I think uh, it has to do with being a Jew, the Holocaust, and he becomes a pianist to get through it. Been so years, so many years. It might be wrong, but I remember it was good. Nope, he was a, he was a Polish Jewish radio station pianist. So you're right. It was really good. I remember it was moving. You know, I actually haven't seen that. But now that you've said it, I'm going to watch that because I actually enjoy those movies. As far as artwork goes, I also love to do art. And I have my own style of like what I get drawn to. But I will tell you my idea for a piece. And maybe you can do your interpretation of it because I think it'd be really cool to see what other people come up with. I have this really big canvas I'm going to put above my bed, and my thought is trying to bring Hemisync to life, where it's like you're in the dream state and you're living all those different dimensions. So I'm trying to figure out how to bring that into a painting. So just like if you're feeling real deep and you want to try to paint out what you believe you visualize in those realms and send it to me, I could use some inspiration. Ooh, yeah, I got an idea. Get under under the right mental status, if you get what I'm saying, to or I would like to see you or your interpretation of the human consciousness via art form. I think that would be interesting to see. Ooh. I like a lot of Alex Gray's artwork. It's very interesting to see his DMT trips and what he paints and stuff. It'd be very interesting to see someone's interpretation oh. of human consciousness and what it means to them via art firm. Good. I would love to see that actually. Do we have a, we have an art tab in discord now, don't we? Yeah, we do. Yeah. Uh, called drawings. We'll retitle it to artwork. We could do that. Yeah. But thank you stems for the voicemail of we love you. And uh, actually Michaela love you. And I'm proud of you. And I'm glad you're going back to work on Tuesday and uh, stay connected to nature stay connected with yourself and yeah now you know what it is you know what it is you know what. well thanks michaela get naked right now shit <laughs> all right sexual harassment charge one there's like i'll take it i'll take that one it's okay <laughs> well thank you michaela um you know i'll definitely pop on and give you some more suggestions 
but shoot me over some of your artwork. I'd love to see what you do. And you know what? We need to start a campaign to get Michaela out of Texas. Let's all start a little jar. Oh, yeah. Put a quarter in, a little swear jar type style. We must get her to experience more than Texas. I got it started. Come on, girl. We're taking her to the ocean. So let's start saving everybody. Free the Alamo. Road trip. Free the Alamo. <laughs> Free Michaela. Could be her nickname, the Alamo. We're going to have a shirt shirt made. Free Michaela. Free What's she in prison for? <laughs> no, she's yeah. just in Texas. We got to get her out of there. Free she Michaela. went to jail. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. Just Texas. Oh, my God. That's funny. I mean, Texas is a whole other country. <laughs> and when we do save her, she can give me my first tattoo then. Ooh, nice. I want to match you. I am a blank canvas. Ooh. Draw me like one of your French girls. Paint me like one of your French ladies. <laughs> <laughs> me, me, and Aaron, like me and Aaron going to get matching tattoos. Yeah. I don't know what we're going to get, but we're going to get matching tattoos. Yeah, we are. We're going to get uh, oh, brooms. Dude, we, brooms. That's actually in the works. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Ah, I guess we're moving on to the last voicemail this week, and that is from Ricardo Anon. Anon. And kneecaps, Mr. Kneecaps. Mr. Kneecaps. And we're going to play that right now. It's okay to be out of this world of water thoughts. Because you're not alone. Because you're not alone. Boom, I like that. Starting them young. Respect. Respect. I like that. But legit, I thought he was using a voice changer. Then I was like, wait a second. No, yeah. that's a kid. Like, yeah, that's, that's awesome, awesome, dude. I, I love it. I'm proud of you, and I love you and your son, and I can't wait for the next UFC fight so we can talk. You always make me laugh, and you are my son as well, so that's my grandson right there talking. Oh, that is your grandson. <laughs> you got to hear your grandson for the first time. Oh, yeah. shit. Oh, it's a beautiful moment. Yeah. Oh, uh, and I'm sorry for my language. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for that. I think that sounds better than the way we do it. That's just amazing. I'm going to guess that was Junior. With you, kneecap. So, uh, but you're awesome, Junior. Thank you so much for that. And uh, kneecaps, baby. Nice. Kneecaps. kneecaps. Yes, thank you for that voice, voice message. I loved it. All right, now we're going to move to ratings and reviews. All right, so we're moving to ratings and reviews. So the first review we have this week is from Chef Wolf 84 It was left on 7620. It is five stars. The subject line that reads, keep on rocking this boat. They go on to say, y'all are awesome. I love listening to you talk about the things I find interesting. You guys really shed light on real things that really happen. Thank you, Chef Wolf 84 for the five stars for the love. And thank you for listening to our knowledge nuggets that we, we try to shine lights on things that are really happening. And I'm glad that you're seeing the light. Love you. Yes, thank you. Much thank love. Thank you so much, Chef Wolf 84. All right, so our next review is from... Squish, 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 squish. <laughs> That's what I'm going with. All right. Left on 7820, titled Obsessed, with five stars. Awesome show, guys. Love how my wheels turn when I listen. I love how your wheels turn when you listen. It's great. Thank you so much, for your review. We appreciate you. Yeah, thank you, skeet, skeet, skeet. <laughs> So this next one comes in from Nutcrusher. Uh, this is three stars titled, Be Aware, Please. I feel like I'm just listening to Anna the whole time. I would really appreciate it if she could listen to the host. Or if I could listen to the host. Quit trying to run the show and relax. 
Well, thanks, Nutcrusher. I, I hear your opinion, and I'm putting it in the trap. <laughs> Take that. <laughs> Take that, Nutcrusher. You can't crush her nuts because she don't got none. Uh, yes, right. <laughs> uh, well, thank you for your constructive criticism. Uh, we will have taken it into consideration, and our people will get back with your people. Uh, I don't think oh. she tries to run the show at all. I think we all have equal rights, equal time, but thank you for the three stars. We'll, we'll take the three stars. Constructive criticism is noted, and we will work on what you think needs to be worked on, even though she doesn't run the show. We all have equal parts. Thank you, guys. So. Yep. Always got my back. That's a team That's right. where there's equal love spread amongst the team. So the next review comes from Goku slash Kakarot. It was left on 7820. It is five stars with the subject line that reads Super Saiyan. They go on to say, what's up? Just stopping by to say, good job. Keep up the work. Still far from being anything like season one. I don't know if it's because... There were more people and there were more ideas, but feels like something is missing still trying to stay on this podcast. Well, thank you for the constructive criticism. That was quite a bit long ago, almost two months ago. So hit us back, shoot us an email, let us know what you're thinking now. And, uh, but uh, thank you. Thank you for the five stars. Thank you for the love. Thank you for still listening. Thank you so much. We appreciate you and your five stars. Super Saiyan, Super Saiyan style. Yeah, so, yep, thank you for the review. I mean, not much to really say. We did take a different route on season two, and I, for one, really do like the way we went, so that's what I'm saying. Ha <laughs> ha, real clever there, Dan. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. All right, the next review is from Sav Sass. <laughs> I want to say that again, Sav Sass. Left on 708.20, titled Love the Show with five stars. I love listening to you guys and your theories. I've even forced my mom to listen to some of the podcasts with me. But I have a question. I'm trying to find the episode you did on the Denver airport, but it's gone now, and I wanted to send it to my sister for her to listen. Do you guys delete podcasts after a certain amount of time, or am I just looking in the wrong places? Well, we took down a bunch of the season one episodes due to audio quality and then the fact that we found more up-to-date information on them and we wanted to redo them because we don't like putting out terrible audio. So they will be coming back up as soon as we get to them. And we just, we apologize for the inconvenience. Yeah, we apologize. But just like Dan said, we took them down, redoing them, coming back stronger and harder. Thank you for the five stars and I love you and I'm proud of you. Thank you, Sav Sash. We appreciate you so much with your five stars, and we hope you're still loving the show. You rock. Stay lifted. This one comes in from Leslie76, left on 7920. Four stars, new listener, smiley face. I just started listening to this podcast and love how I've thought about all these theories myself. I'm glad someone thinks the way I do. Since no one in my circle thinks like me and, and gets bored with my rambling and think I'm crazy. We'll forever continue to listen and stay woke. Mind blown emoji. Well, thank you, Leslie. I hope that you're on Patreon and have joined the Discord. 
because there's a big family waiting for you there that will let you talk and ramble. And guess what? They'll respond back to you and give you even more feedback on how to make your theories stronger. Because We're just a big, happy family. That's true. I like the Manson family, though. Maybe, maybe just a little bit. Maybe, maybe just a little. We are considering a commune. And man, we got some really good skill to bring to the table. Yeah, we do. I'll make your house smell yellow. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> but thank you, Leslie. I love you. And I'm proud of you. And I hope you have a great week. And thank you for the review. Yes, thank you for the review and the four stars. Appreciate it. All right. This next review comes from Eden110808. It is from Great Britain, left on 7920. It is five stars with a subject line that reads fantastic. They go on to say, my favorite podcast. Just wish there were more episodes each week. Well, Eden110808 from Great Britain, you can join our Patreon for only five bucks a month, which is 16 cents a day. And you can get an extra episode each week. So there you go. Boom. I think she is part of the Patreon. For some reason, I feel like I've seen her name on there. Yeah. Well. But let me tell you guys, if we did more than two episodes a week, we would not be able to dig in to research. Like You would get skimmed, surfaced, half-assed stuff. I mean, two and a half days per topic ain't even enough. Yeah. So as much as we'd love to, Right now, without this being our full-time gig, it's really hard to to think about doing more than two. But we're going to keep giving you great content every week with those two episodes. And hopefully, we can make this our full-time. And then we can see about what we can do from there to give you more experiences with with the show. Yeah. But thank you for the five stars, and I love you. Yeah, because definitely if we did more than two, we want to be able to communicate as much as we do with Patreon members and everything like that. We wouldn't have any time at all. None. But yeah, so thank you for the review and the five stars. Yes, thank you so much. All right, our next one is from Lonely Stacker 777 left on 7920, titled Five Star Show. And give us five stars. Didn't want a Patreon, but this is my favorite show. It's so good. So take a listen. Lonely Stacker, I appreciate it, even if you're not a patron. You won't be lonely for long. You're not going to be lonely for long. Scoot over. I'm going to come join you. I love you. That's right. And thank you. If you ever do, ever do decide to join the Patreon, you definitely won't be lonely. Just saying. No. Thank you so much, Lonely Stacker. Like Dan says, no one is lonely in Discord. And if you're an introvert and you don't like to talk to people, that's totally fine. We have plenty of people who just sit back and read the conversations because... And just lurk like Bigfoot. And that's totally fine. There is no rules in the handbook that you can't do that. Y'all want to know a secret? Ooh, I like secrets. I'm an introvert. No way. I am. It's true. This podcast, other than this podcast, I will not... I don't like... I won't go up to people. I'm more reserved. It's true. I've seen it with my eyes. I seen it. He has seen it. I'm a nervous wreck when it comes to talking. (laughs) Would you consider yourself extroverted, Aaron? I consider myself a middle. Just depends. Me too. Aaron's like right, the perfect balance of introvert and extrovert. I wish I could be on that level. I'm just saying. Come live with me. I'm going to come live with you. He'll teach the ways. We can meditate together. Ooh, I like that. 
building a soul connection. All right, you guys. Uh, this next one comes in from David. A weird way to say David. Yes, I don't like David. D-Y-I-V-D-D. This was one star titled, It Used to Be Good. This used to be a 10-star podcast, but now it's just junk. The new girl is terrible. It's like it hurts her to breathe. Like every word is painful for her to speak. Unfortunately, I will have to unsubscribe if she is going to continue to be on the show. The other two hosts are great. Bigfoot 2020. Sorry, hate to see you go, but she's staying. Yeah. You know, Anna's, Anna's here to stay, so I'm sorry to see you go, but, you know, I don't know you. I don't love you. true. And I'm not proud of you. And I will say this. We are not forcing Anna to read these bad reviews against herself. <laughs> oh, that's a good point, Dan. Yeah. Yeah, no. If anything, I offer to do it because it makes sense for me to. Um, and truthfully, these bad reviews do not bother me, you guys, because the amount of love I get from people drowns me in comparison to the low level vibration of these type of people. And I don't waste my time on that. So they can go ahead. I love it. Bring it in. Ain't nothing going to change. I'm part of the show. I am not a substitute teacher. I am here and I got fucking candy for everyone. And it's all about love. And that's what we do. We spread love and knowledge to you guys. So, thank you for the one star. It's a one more point towards our goal of being seen by the masses. And appreciate you breathing, er, you know, air, balancing things out. So, the last review this week comes from EZZY from Australia, left on 71020. It is five stars, a subject line that reads, great podcast. They go on to say, I love the content. Only criticism I can give is maybe take that lady's microphone away. Does she put a peg on her nose before you hit record? You know? Also, the whole teleporting chairs is mega cringe. I maybe would have thought it was cool when I was 11. But hey, you gave us five stars. So. Hell yeah. <laughs> Thank you for the five stars. Always the bright side. Thank you for your criticism. We'll take that into the criticism book. Yeah. We'll write it down on the list. We should have a name for like the jar that collects all the shit reviews that we get. Yeah, we'll put that in the whatever. And there's a, a name for it. I don't know. We'll put that in the TPS reports. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all I can say is some people don't like the whole Montauk chair. I love it because, you know. I found it. I think it's awesome. But it's another way for us to pretty much communicate with our Patreon members because we like invite them to go on trips with us. We're bonding. It's pretty much us having fun with our listeners. And some people might get it. Some people don't. And that's okay. Not everyone thinks the same way. Yeah. And I know that the people I've taken on journeys, to them, it's personalized. People may not get that rabbit rides horses so I guess like Dan's saying, we do it to connect with you. And I'm going to personalize my chair to that person. Even if everybody doesn't fully get it, the beauty is, is that we take that time for like individual people and make it special for you guys. And 
I love that about our show, we step out of the normal circle of what a podcast is. And we make this an experience for all of us. It's not just you guys that are having the enjoyment of meeting us or anything. Like, we legit love talking to you guys. And I know um, we do the voice chats every once in a while. Every time we've done that, that's been amazing. Everyone respects one another. And we keep the groups really small so we could still have good conversation. And, I mean... I can't say it enough. We are a big family. And the minute you walk into that Discord channel and you're welcomed by the Hondorian with Welcome to the Cult, I mean, you instantly become a part of family. So, you guys, I love you. You're amazing. Yes, I love you. You're all amazing. Mm -hmm. Thank you for the reviews this week. And now we're going to roll on to shout outs. So, speaking of Discord, now, I won't go into too much detail because I honestly didn't get, like, permission to talk about the story, so I'm not going to tell the story, but I will say that in one of these moments where we had a voice chat, because we were talking about the fifth dimension transcendence that's happening right now where people are noticing shifts in, in their bodies and whatnot, um, I felt that it was a very hard conversation to have through messaging, so I offered the group to start a voice chat. And we all got together, and it was really great conversation. Uh, like, Aaron is my daddy was in there. Uh, White Rabbit. Shell. Texas Ranger. Overboost. I think Pandemic 666 was in there. Um, and we all just had a really great conversation. And once a lot of people left, Aaron is my daddy told me a story. Well, first off, I was just so happy with him the whole time. I, my heart, dude, you... And your wife have done a phenomenal job with raising your children and being um, beautiful souls on this earth. The story that you told in that room that day literally brought me to tears in the, and hit me in my soul. It made me feel encouraged that there is still a harmony in the world that can come together in a time where it's completely unexpected and where most people may shy away from a situation that you came across. And for your ch child to be so far beyond his years and see things that we can't see as adults who are blinded by society and distracted by things going on in life. And I know this might sound really bland as far as my description but again I didn't get permission for the story and I just want to say uh and I keep calling him Aaron because that's all he's Aaron he's my daddy in there but uh Ricardo man honestly I love you and you are a beautiful soul and you guys keep doing what you're doing and thank you for always reaching out on discord you have made my week so thank you so much for that and all of you guys in that. I mean, it was just beautiful. Uh, Lizzie B21, girl, I just want to be clear with you right now. You need to be drinking some water. Have you had your water today? Okay, I'm just saying, you might want to have a glass of water. Uh, White Rabbit, what's up, girl? Blue Wolf Boy 08, you know I had to give you a shout out this week, too. Let's see, we have. Texas Ranger, who again was in that group. We have to talk about some deja vu shit, which I'm really looking forward to. 
uh, Stems earlier. We talked to her. Shout out, girl. Jose. Uh, I got this amazing message from, I'm going to say his name, or their name is Raxel. And I mess- I forwarded to you guys, I believe. It was like a really long message about the world being... Uh, it, it was really long. I'll send it over to you. But anyways, dude, your theory was 100% on point. I was so impressed. Because it's like things that you think as individual things, but you brought it all together as one solid thought. And I have not had time to get back to you on that, and I apologize for that. But do know I, I have read it, and I have shared it. Because it's that amazing of a um, of a thought process that you had, so I will get back to you. I will just bear with me. On Twitter, we had this gentleman. So sorry if I say your name wrong. And Aloric, he said, uh, "Is this you, Dan?" With a shocked face and a crying, laughing face. So the post says. Which one of you motherfuckers figured out how to file a Freedom of Information Act request to my office and brought the entire Park Resource Department to a screeching halt for an entire workday to scour records for Bigfoot sighting? So he tagged us in in that post. Like, Is this you, Dan? That's hilarious. Maybe. So I felt like I needed to share that with you. Possible. Man, this Woody guy. I don't. Woody, thanks for writing on the page. You got lots, uh, lots of posts on there for me to read and keep me entertained. Um, times, man. Times. Oh, uh, I felt like this one was you, was directed to you, Aaron, from Kevin, uh, Dark, from Dark Side Bunny. Saint Macho Man is the best macho man. Oh, yeah. Saint Macho Man is the best macho man. I agree. He's totally cool. I, I like him a lot. I would have gotten more into it, but literally right now, Gollum is asleep with his head in my beard. He is. So I'm trying to hold him while he's cuddled up next to me and not do too much of the the uh, the vocal changes. Oh, yeah. He's so cute. My vocal changes are very, uh, very like. Step into a Slim Jim. Yeah, they're very. I use a lot of my arms and stuff. He is like a sleeping naked chicken on your face. Yeah, exactly. With a long tail. Uh, uh, Hunter, welcome to Discord. Finally, man, I'm glad that you were on there. Uh, also, quick with Discord. When you guys send us a message to add you, uh, the process is typically one of us sends you a friend request. And then from that friend re- request, we send you an invite to the party. Um, sometimes it takes us a minute to get onto the Patreon page to do that. We do try to have someone rotating on every day, but life, it happens. So just be patient with us, guys. Uh, you will get an invite. I say we usually have one within 24 hours, wouldn't you guys say? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I just keep getting a lot of message about that. It's just, we're getting there. Promise. So hopefully everyone's enjoying it. I know we've been enjoying you guys. Okay. So the first shout out I want to give on Instagram is from Wyatt. Same one who left a voicemail. Sent me a message on Instagram. Said, uh, you better post another ghost stories here very soon or things are going to get a little crazy. Then he said, 
No, he didn't say that. He just said, hey, I want another ghost stories. And I'm like, okay. Then he said, uh, I hope when I listen to you on the podcast, you don't have a Boston accent. So I'm guessing, I think he he thinks I'm going to get a Boston accent now that I live up here, which I don't think that's going to happen. It's going to be years down the road. Probably not. No. Okay. Uh, Next. (laughs) Next shout out I want to give is to Reptilian Ruben. I love you. And I'm proud of you, Reptilian Ruben. I just want to let you know that. That's what he wanted. Um, and then uh, I want to give a shout out to Pedro. And uh, not only to him, but his brother and his wife, Hector and Monique. I hope I pronounce those uh, Monique right. But they're the ones who actually got Pedro onto our podcast. So shout out to all them. They're awesome. I love y'all. I'm proud of y'all. Thank you for listening to the show. I hope y'all are having a great week and I hope your weekend that is coming up is extra awesome and I love you. And uh, let's see, I got one more shout out and that goes to Michaela who left us a voicemail, AKA Stims. Love you and I'm proud of you and I hope you're doing good. All right. That's it. That's all I got. How dare you not have any more than that? Love you, Jake Farm. Just feel like, yeah, he's going to come after me. Gotta have Jake Farm. Hey, Hans. I love you, too. I ain't forgetting about you. I think about you all the time. Hans is a beautiful soul. I see you in my dreams. All right. So I have three shout outs on, from Facebook. Of course, our man Wyatt. He, uh, he told me that he wanted to go stories for him as well. But uh, he did have a little extra to say about leaking my Xbox 360 party Uh-oh. chats. Ooh. So, uh, I'm going to go ahead and just throw it out in the open. I do not have sexual relations with that woman or man or Bigfoot. You can't prove shit. <laughs> no, but uh, thanks, Wyatt. He's, he's very active on all platforms, it seems, and that's awesome. Love it. Then uh, we got shout out to Nick. He was uh, asking about uh, if we were going to do an episode on... Johnny Gosh. We have him on the list. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I told you, told you, Nick, I let him know. So he's on the list. He said he, he feels that there's a finder's feel to it. But yeah, talking to him about that. And then uh, have a Gina. She recommended us on Facebook and says that I love the podcast. I love the topics and love, love, love Theories Thursday. It gets spicy. Ooh. So I wanted to give her a shout out for that, for definitely recommending us. That's awesome. And saying those nice things about us. That's really kind. Yes, thank you. I know Facebook these days is pretty hectic with everything going on. So not a, not a lot of people getting on Facebook. I've heard, especially on the Discord, multiple people have actually deleted their Facebook. What's happening on Facebook? Just all the COVID and privacy breaches. Political stuff going on. It's just a lot of hectic stuff, and people just don't like what's going on on there. And I respect that. Before we go past the section, I wanted to shout out Derek H. off Twitter. He was the guy who had a sh- his shirt got a face on it. So he, he's like, I want to take a picture of my shirt because it was overly dirty from work today. And then I saw some art. Do you see the face? Reminds me of the Bellmy's faces. And I sent you guys a text with it. And it does. Oh, yeah. Uh, it does. And uh, 
so we had some people reply to it. And of course, I agreed that I saw it. One guy said, burn the shirt, LOL. Just playing. (laughs) Uh, Maybe. (laughs) And then Derek responded, I will if it comes back. (laughs) Oh, definitely. So I thought that was really funny, and I really appreciated that post. And then Matt O., he said that the Patreon bonus episodes that we have are worth every penny, but as... With most podcasts, I recommend listening to one and a half speed if you have severe ADHD and need to have the info hit you fast. He also posted us something I got to dive into, but talking about the death of Chadwick Bosman and how it's connected to other, it seems like dates of August 28th, there's a connection. Like uh, Jackie Robinson Day and Major League Baseball, well, go into it but he he gave us a, a little rabbit hole to go down so i appreciate that very much sir all right well we don't have any corrections from last week i don't think none not that i know no. of all right well thank you all for your support and for your love and thank you again for joining us today you were all amazing every single one of you so with that being said ricardo anon and your son can you do us the honors and roll us out It's okay to be out of this world of all your thoughts. Because you're not alone. Because you're not alone.